Uh, good to see you all. Thanks for being here with us. And you can go ahead and get started to flipping to 1 Kings chapter 12. And like Bruno mentioned, uh, we're going to start a new series tonight. Uh, we'll be in this series for a few weeks. Uh, we'll drag it out to the end of the year. Um, and like Bruno said, it's called Bad Decisions. And so we're going to do this series so that you know what not to do next year. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're all, we're all working on that. Uh, so, you know, you can work on your New Year's resolutions as we, as we go out the, uh, throughout this series. But um, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And of course, um, we know that, that we'll be judged at the end of our lives um, according to the things that we've done in our bodies, uh, whether it's good things that we did or bad things that we did. And then, of course, if that's the case, I mean, if you back up a step with that, well, then y- you made decisions that led to those actions, right? Um, and so if you don't want to have a bad day at the judgment seat of Christ, well, you should make good decisions uh, now in this life and not bad ones. Um, and so that's, of course, the, the goal here uh, is to, to lead us to make good decisions. Um, so it, we're going to do it more fun, though, because we're going to look at people's bad decisions um, throughout the series. And so we're going to look at a guy named Rehoboam tonight in First uh, Kings chapter 12. And um, we're going to hopefully try to learn some things from him. So if you are in First Kings chapter 12, we, we're going to read the Bible a little bit tonight. Um, so I hope you will follow along with me because we're going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 24. Uh, so follow along as I read. And the Bible says, 1 Kings 12, 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put on us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but thou shalt make it lighter under us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people that came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him. And spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made our yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. 
My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore, the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shelanite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. But as for the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against the house of Israel, to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. All right. So, we are, like I said, we're going to analyze uh, Rehoboam's bad decision tonight. Clearly, he, he made a bad decision, um, and the, the story is interesting and took an interesting turn. Um, and I think there's some things that we can learn from this, and ultimately, to hopefully apply to our lives to help us not to make the bad decision that he made. So before we dive in, let's go to the Lord for pra- in prayer and ask him to teach us. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we come before you tonight, and uh, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Um, we thank you for the blessing of your son um, and that we have, can have spiritual life with you through him. And um, I just pray that as we open your word tonight, Lord, that, that we would be able to see the things that uh, you want us to see, um, that you want to say to us, and that, that the things that we need to see to apply to our lives to, um, to make us more like you and more into your image. Um, I just pray that you will be glorified um, through this time and through uh, our obedience um, in response to the things we'll see tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, it, I titled your message, Forsaking Wise Counsel, in, in the spirit of the fact that we're looking at bad decisions. And ultimately, uh, I believe that's what Rehoboam's bad decision was, is that he forsook wise counsel. So, of course, then the goal is to, to not do that. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at some tips tonight to help us not do that. To, tips to recognize and to choose wise counsel. And so we're going to start uh, with this first point, and that's to analyze your attitude and choose humility. Analyze your attitude and choose humility. And so first, let's look at Rehoboam's attitude towards the first counsel that, that he received. Uh, if you jump back into verse 7 again, it says, And they spake unto him, and this is the old wise dudes, they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him, and, and just notice that right there. 
Rehoboam hadn't actually like gone and done anything yet. He didn't, the people left, the people were still gone. He said, come back in three days. Three days weren't up yet. He went and talked to these old dudes to get counsel for them. And before he had even heard anybody else's counsel, before he had made any actions, already it says he forsook the, their counsel. Soon as he heard it, he forsook it, right? He simply heard their counsel and forsook it. And, and that was before anything else even happened. And so, and so note that. And truly, uh, if you look at what their counsel was, I think that we can see why. I think there's some clues. Their counsel said that, that if you be a servant unto this people and serve them, and really, Rehoboam, he's the king, right? Do, who serves who? Does the king serve the people or do the people serve the king? Um, I, th- I think Rehoboam is saying, man, I, I'm the king. I'm not, I'm not serving them. They're supposed to serve me, right? And so he forsakes their counsel in verse, and as soon as he hears it in verse 8, and if you pick up in the, in the middle of verse 8, and he consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. In verse 9, and he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people which have spoken unto me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put on us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but thou but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus, thus shalt ye say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Well, whoop-de-doo, look at me. I'm a tough guy. I'm the king. You guys, you people, you think you had it hard. Well, you just wait. You got no idea, right? That's kind of what Rehoboam's thinking. That's certainly what, what his friends are thinking, and that's the counsel that Rehoboam wants to hear. And first, we can see that he was trying to be more than his father. He was playing this comparison game. And, and obviously, in that regard, Rehoboam had a large tab to live up to. His father was the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, King Solomon, right? His father built the temple. And under the reign of his father, the kingdom of Israel was the greatest it had ever been. Solomon's kingdom was the greatest picture of the kingdom of heaven as this planet has ever seen. And likewise, Solomon in his early reign at least, is one of the best pictures of Christ ruling and reigning in his kingdom that this planet has ever seen. And so, Rehoboam saw all that. Rehoboam's now the king. He's now sitting on the throne and he's letting his pride of, the pride of life set in. And he was playing the comparison game with his father and this was his opportunity to make a name for himself. He was gonna be bigger and better and tougher than his father. The rule that his father had over them is going to be nothing in comparison to the rule that Jeroboam was going to have over them. And, and with that in mind, if you take a closer look back to this counsel that he received and accepted, uh, that, that the, his friends gave unto him, unto him, in verse 11, notice that the counsel says, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Does that remind you of anyone in scripture? Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? It's talking about Satan. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be the most high, like the most high. This, you know, everybody's about themselves here. Uh, like Rehoboam had, it looks like Rehoboam had some things in common with Satan in his prideful desires to rule. And clearly, Rehoboam, he was dealing with some pride. And that blinded him. He was wise in his own conceit and he didn't recognize the wise counsel, counsel and wisdom from the old guys. If he had recognized how much better it was than, than the other guys' counsel, he probably would have listened to them. But he didn't, right? Instead, he made the wrong choice and he chose contention and hardship. And Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And ultimately, Rehoboam's ability to recognize and choose wise counsel was hindered by his pride. The prophet Obadiah, the minor prophet Obadiah, hidden in, in your Bible somewhere, uh, he, he wrote to the, the Gentile nation of Edom. Um, and certainly God had some things to say to that Gentile nation about pride. Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rocks, whose habitation is high, and, ha- and saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? Pride deceives, that's what it does. It hinders your ability to reason and your ability to see. And that, that's a big reason why it's so dangerous, is you're deceived and you're sinking and you don't even know it. Proverbs has a lot to say about pride and its results. Proverbs 11, 2 says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before fall. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And that's how it works. And God will see to it that that's how it works. And, and sooner or later, later, or one way or another, that is the ultimate destination that pride brings us to, everyone to. Because ultimately, pride is opposed to the Lord, and it sets you up against him, and it sets him up against you. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For, here's why, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, right? That's the right response. That's what we need to do. That's what Jeroboam should have done. And if you want to seek the Lord, step one of seeking him is to shed pride. Psalm 10, 4 says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. We should know and understand that we'll never seek God in our pride. Don't be deceived. You won't. Since that's the case, and since certainly God is wise, right, and, and true wisdom comes from God, well then pride means you're not going to seek wisdom either, if God is its source. We can't allow pride into our minds. It will hinder our ability to think rationally. It will hinder our ability to hear and choose wise counsel. If we want to set ourselves up to choose wise counsel, then we've got to do the opposite. We've got to choose humility, So the first checkpoint that you have, that you have to pass, if you're going to set yourself up to receive wise counsel, is the checkpoint of your attitude. Because if you can't get past your own pride first, you'll never accept wise counsel. And typically, wise counsel is going to be found in the humble choice anyway. 
So first, analyze your attitude and choose humility and then choose wise counsel. And so there's the first thing that, that I think we can pull from Rehoboam to learn. And this next checkpoint then is to identify, to identify if you're gonna hear and choose wise counsel is to analyze your authority and to choose truth. Analyze your authority and choose truth. 1 Kings 12, if we jump back to verse 3, says that they, talking about the people, sent and called him, Jeroboam, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he hath put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And so in summary, Jeroboam and the people come to Rehoboam and they say, hey dude, king, make our service lighter and we'll serve you. And now Rehoboam has to decide what he's gonna do. Is he, is he gonna listen to them or not? So he seeks counsel from these two different parties, from the old guys and the young guys. He goes to the old guys first and, and notice specifically wh- what they tell him. We'll look at it again in verse six. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men, so he went to them that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, how do you advise that I might answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Okay. These guys counsel him to do exactly what the people are requesting. If you ease the burden, if you speak good words to them, well, people will serve you. So then Rehoboam consults the young men, that, that were grown up with him to see what they would say. And so if you jump down to verse 11, ultimately this is what they tell him uh, to tell the people in verse 11. And now whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Rehoboam, Rehoboam's peers tell him not only to not ease the burdens, but exactly the opposite actually, to increase them. And obviously, the goal here is to have the people serve him, right? I mean, we, with the end of the story and where it goes, we see that that is the goal. Um, by the way that Rehoboam responds later in this passage, we see that. So, so then let's get this straight. The people already said exactly how they're going to respond. If you ease the burdens, we'll serve you. So the, o- the old guys tell Rehoboam, ease the burdens and they'll serve you. But the young guys tell him, hmm, increase the burdens, and in theory, they'll serve you. Somebody's lying, I think. Clearly, the young guys were disconnected from reality, which already we saw, I think, as a result of their pride. Jeroboam was in on it. And based on what the people had just said, there's no way it makes sense to say that they're going to respond well to increasing the burdens. Obviously, the old guys had their facts straight, right? They were humble, and they knew, and they spoke the truth. Wise counsel is always going to acknowledge and line up with the truth. Clearly, the old dude's counsel lined up with what was true in the context of this passage. But since we're talking about truth, what is truth? I think you guys know the answer. John 17, 17, right? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what is truth? God's word is truth. Scripture is truth. So check this out. Solomon himself 
which is Rehoboam's dad, Solomon himself wrote some scripture in his lifetime. Truth from God. Notice what he said. Ecclesiastes 10:12. He said, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The counsel of the old guys was exactly that. It was wise and it was gracious. But Rehoboam allowed his lips to swallow him up by heeding the wrong authority. And he should have known that because he should have had his father's writings. He should have had the scripture and the truth of the scriptures. He should have turned to scripture to see the truth and notice that the old guy's counsel lined up with that. And of course, that's what we all need to do also, right? Before we submit to the authority of any counsel, we need to check it against God's word. Make sure it lines up with the truth of what God has said. In Psalm 19.7, written by David, by the way, so this is Rehoboam's grandpa, he said that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And God's word is perfect, it's sure, it's true, and so any wise counsel that we receive should line up with it. If it doesn't, then the counsel isn't wise, therefore we shouldn't choose it. Proverbs 21.30 says, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. And there's none against the Lord, meaning outside of him, certainly. But also, just as true, there's none against him either. Anything that fits into those two categories isn't wise in understanding, and it certainly won't prevail. Definitely not in time. So good luck with that, Satan. So, we need to be fact-checking counsel against God's word to help us recognize it and then choose wise counsel. Always let the truth of God's word dictate your authority. And if Rehoboam would have done that, he would have been equipped to recognize and choose the wise counsel from the old guys. But seriously, why was he going to anyone else for counsel anyway? These old dudes used to be King Solomon's counselors. It says in verse 6 that they stood before Solomon And Solomon was the wisest dude that ever lived. So these guys must have been some pretty wise guys, don't you think? Certainly, at least, they learned some things from Solomon in their time and the time that they spent with him. Plus, they would have already been in a position of authority in the kingdom with Solomon. And they've been around for a long time. So in contrast to those dudes, though, Rehoboam's friends uh, grew up with him. Clearly, they weren't any smarter than him. (laughs) And since they grew up with him, they weren't any older either. So, Rehoboam, if I could talk to you, which of these two sources do you think you should allow authority and influence in your life? I think the answer is pretty clear. Job said in Job 12, verses 12 and 13, he said, with the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days is understanding. With, With him is wisdom and strength, he hath counsel and understanding. And directly, yes, I believe Job is talking about God. But there's a principle there too, right? Those that have been around for a while typically know more things. Rehoboam should have gone to the right source to get his counsel. He should have gone to the guys that have been around for a while. He never even should have consulted his buddies, but he allowed them to have influence and authority in his life. It allowed them to give him counsel. Now, okay, before we condemn him too quickly... We should stop and consider that we do this all the time, right? We take advice from people that we like and those that say what we want to hear 
rather than those that, that we know will say what we need to hear. Or maybe we hear what we need to and then run to the people that we want to hear. So, listen, no, we know we must go to the right source to get truth and wise counsel. You go to the wrong source, you're going to be led astray. And we talked about God's word being truth and and helping us identify wise counsel, therefore. But ultimately, of course, it is our authority. So we need to go right to the authority, right to the, to the, the word of God to get our counsel in the first place. We need to allow God's word itself to be our counselor and our direct source of counsel to guide us, guide us in our walk of life. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And since we know and believe this, the question is, how much do we live like that? When you have a question or a decision to make in your life, is your first instinct to run to God's word and spend time with him in it in prayer to find your answer? Do you first go to the ancient of days to seek your answer? He who always has been and always will be, is that where you go? Is that where you turn? Or is your first instinct to run to another human that's only been on this planet for a handful of decades? We need to try to rely on our, on our personal walk with Christ through his word first before running to whoever you're, you're trying to run to. Now, don't hear me wrong though. Yes, God's word is truth. And Paul calls the church the pillar and ground of the truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. So God does intend for the church and your pastors and elders to be a source of help and direction in your life. Uh, that's why God gave them to us and put them over us in the first place. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.11, he says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God gave these spiritual authorities in your life to be a source of counsel. And obviously, if they're walking with him, they're getting counsel from his word. And they're there to help you and to guide you and help you grow. And they are an authority. God gave them charge over us, so we should take their counsel to heart. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as that they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that's unprofitable for you. So we need to, to run to them. On the contrary, though, do you run to the world or, or to school or college classes, to the internet, to YouTube, whatever? Do you run to those things as your source of counsel or do you run to the church and those that God has set up as spiritual authorities in our lives? We need to be running to the church and to God's word. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Surely I don't have to tell you guys that we shouldn't be running to the world for our counsel. We know that. So let's not do that. If you do, you're allowing the wrong influence to have authority over you. You're not, and you're not choosing truth, therefore. And you are setting yourself up to forsake wise counsel rather than to choose it. So to help you recognize and choose wise counsel, always analyze where you got the counsel that you're getting and who or what you're allowing to act as your authority in that counsel. And always choose truth. 
So that's our, that's our second checkpoint. And our third checkpoint then is to analyze your account and choose life. So this last checkpoint that we'll see tonight to help us recognize and choose wise counsel is to stop and analyze the results of the counsel that you're considering. Everything that we do has consequences, right? Certainly Rehoboam had some big consequences as a result of this bad decision. If we look at some of them, if you start back in verse 15, it says, Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the, the Shelanite, unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Verse 16, So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. But as for the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. And so Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. The people come back to Rehoboam on the third day. They're doing what he said. They came to him initially. He said, give me three days. Three days are up. They come back. And so he answers them roughly. And they leave pretty upset. And so what does Rehoboam do? Right out of the gate. Here's come the scorpion. So right out of the gate, he immediately, he sends his tax man out and they kill him and rebel. Didn't work out so well. And the kingdom of Israel was split ever since. So Rehoboam gets to be the guy recorded in scripture for all of eternity as the king that split the nation of Israel. That's on his account. That's what happened on his watch. Obviously, he didn't exactly think all of this through. He was prideful, as we saw earlier, and he did what felt good in the moment. He forsook wise counsel, and this was the result. And in so doing, he had some serious consequences. And so I submit that he should have stopped and analyzed the counsel that he chose and followed it through to its logical conclusion. He should have looked at the possible consequences and taken them into account to help him recognize the foolishness of the counsel that he, that he hearkened unto. Clearly, he didn't do that. And as we saw earlier in his I will statements, not only did Rehoboam display a picture of Satan through his pride, but also at the same time, he missed out on getting to display Christ himself and to be a picture of Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with the gospel and the good news of what God has done for us, it's, the, it's this. We, first of all, I guess I'd, we'll start with the fact that we're all sinners, born separated from God, and nobody is perfect. I, I don't think I have to convince any of us of that. Um, but the problem is that, that sin uh, has a consequence, and that consequence is death, as per Romans 6.23. And that death is physical, but it's also spiritual and separation from God for all of eternity when we die. And so there's not really anything we can do about it. Um, our, there's nothing we could ever do to work our way to God. We're, we'll never be good enough. We're imperfect and unrighteous, and we can't make ourselves perfect or righteous. And we're separated from him. All we can do is die, and that doesn't help us. So God stepped in, and he sent his only son, born of a virgin, to walk this planet, and to be completely sinless, and to die on the cross for our sins, to pay our death 
and our debt that we owed. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, uh, victorious over death and hell and the grave. And he offers unto us eternal life through that. There were three days. It took God three days to offer us eternal life. And if, if you're here and you've never made a decision based on that, I urge you to do that. Please don't leave here tonight uh, without talking to one of us and, and accepting that free gift. God already did everything that needs done for you to be reconciled to him. You just have to, to submit. Humble yourself and submit and, and be obedient to him and his word and proclaim as him as the Lord and Savior of your life. That's all you have to do. And so don't leave here tonight and not do that if you haven't. But back to, to the resurrection, so key. Because in three days' time, God was able to come to us with a proclamation of eternal life, right? With an awesome, incredible message. And so, as we saw back in verse five, what did Rehoboam do? Rehoboam told the people to depart for him, from him for three days. And then they come back in verse 12 for the answer, right? And so there were three days. They were separated for three days. Three days were determined to see if they would have a better life or not. Rehoboam had three days to offer them life more abundantly. Does that sound familiar? He could have been like Christ. Christ gave us a better answer of eternal life in three days' time. In Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What if Rehoboam would have taken heed to wise counsel and answered these people three days later like this, with a lighter yoke, an easy burden, right? Rehoboam's account may have looked a lot different. Maybe the kingdom actually wouldn't have been split on his watch. And maybe that wouldn't have been charged to his account. Now we did read in verse 15 that God spake of this split. Verse 15, it says, Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shelanite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And back in chapter 11, God told Jeroboam that he was going to rend 10 tribes from Solomon's son, and give them unto Jeroboam. And obviously, Rehoboam was Solomon's immediate son. So did that have to be true of him? Well, we know God doesn't always use the word son to refer, or it's not always restricted to refer only to someone's immediate son. It could be in reference to a grandson uh, or someone further down the family lineage. For example, Christ is the son of David, Matthew 1.1 even though Christ is not David's immediate son. So therefore, it's possible that Rehoboam didn't have to fulfill or be the fulfillment of God's word to Jeroboam, but God could have fulfilled his word through any of other Solomon's sons or his descendants. Rehoboam still had free will to choose wise counsel if he so wanted to. Proverbs 19.20 says, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Jeroboam's latter end could have been wise, it could have been good, but he blew it. Instead, he forsook counsel and instruction and gave a prideful answer of hardship and torment, an answer of death, if you will. And, and that went on his account, the death of the nation's unity and the death of his tax collector. The results were death, not life. And of course, that's not the result he wanted because he wanted to restore the kingdom back to himself. 
That's, we read that in the end of the story. But at that point, it was too late. God wouldn't let him. God didn't even give him the opportunity to make it right. And we should take note of that. You know, we, we make mistakes and God is gracious and merciful. Yeah, well, there may be a day God doesn't let you make it right. So let's just get it right from the beginning, right? That was verse 24. God didn't let Rehoboam fight to restore his rule and reign back in, uh, before the nation. And so Rehoboam should have analyzed what was going to happen on his account before he forsook the wise counsel. And perhaps if he would have done that, maybe he wouldn't have forsaken it. And that's what we need to do also. Proverbs 15, 24 says, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. Choosing wise counsel according to God's word is always going to work life in its latter end, not death. But forsaking, but forsaking counsel will always lead to destruction. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So we need to take time to stop and to analyze the consequences of the decisions that we're going to make and the consequences of the counsel that, we're, that we are receiving and take heed to what we should uh, and, and don't make decisions based on only what feels good right now, um, but look into the future a little bit. Analyze your consequences. Yeah, sin is pleasant for a season, but I promise you it ends in death every time. So sometimes that means we can't live for the here and now. We need to exercise some discretion in our lives to see, the pa- to see past the immediate desires of our flesh and to make wise decisions that will end in life and not in death. Ecclesiastes 8.5 says, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. It's wise to not allow time to cloud cloud your judgment and to be able to prolong gratification for the future because you don't have to worry. God will judge everyone for their actions, right? Vengeance is the Lord's, but so also are the rewards. So we need to simply heed wise counsel now, even if it's not the most fun choice, and know that we will reap what we sow. Know that our account will prove our actions and the decisions that we make. That's a promise. And to think otherwise is to be mocking the Lord. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us be not weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Be able to delay that gratification for some time. Understand time and judgment. Have some discretion. And if you want to set yourself up to recognize and choose wise counsel, then you need to analyze your account based on that counsel and always take heed to the counsel that will allow you and others to reap life. If we stay humble and keep the truth as our authority, we'll reap life. So by way of conclusion... I'll give you Proverbs 11.30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Ultimately, we're still on this planet, if we're saved, we're still here to try to persuade men to heed wise counsel and the wise counsel of the gospel, right? So that they can have life. That's the result. So we need to take heed to wise counsel ourselves and seek those that, are, that have a humble spirit Seek those that are willing to submit to the word 
and seek those those that don't want to reap death because those people are going to be fertile soil for the gospel. So let's go out and let's, let's find those people, but let's be those people as well. So let's go out from here and be a wise people that are able to discern and choose wise counsel and to be used of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy towards us. Uh, Lord, we are un- have always been undeserving of it, and we are undeserving of it still. Um, but we thank you so much uh, for doing what you've done to reconcile us to you, um, to make it possible to know you. And I just pray that uh, each and every day we would live uh, in your truth and in your word and in the counsel that you give us and that we would take heed uh, to wise counsel. Even living in a world that, that just bombards us uh, with the opportunities to forsake wise counsel and bombards us with, with the wrong counsel, Lord. Give us discretion and help us always to remain humble uh, that, that, that we won't be deceived into thinking that wise counsel is good or thinking that bad counsel is good or the opposite, Lord. Um, and help us to, to always take heed and, and submit to your word uh, and to, to be able to have some discretion to discern time and judgment, Lord, that, that we could recognize what counsel is wise and what's not. Uh, Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for this time together tonight. I pray that as we go out this week, uh, Lord, that, that we could be good witnesses um, unto you uh, and be pleasing to you. It's in your name we pray, amen.